Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's just acknowledge the Lord here in our service. Father, we thank you that you're here by your spirit. We rejoice, Lord, that we have you as a friend and as a companion and as a confidant, someone that we can trust and talk to and lean on. We thank you that you're a good, good father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Just uh, drink in the presence of the Lord right now. We need him. We need him for this life. All the things that we go through, but he says, you are more than conquerors to them who trust in him and believe in him. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you. It's called a touch from heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Do your work amongst your people, Father. You're the good shepherd. You're the good father. We rejoice in you, Lord. We rejoice in you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Praise your holy name. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's good to take time out and acknowledge the Lord, his presence. We need it every day, all day. I lean on him. Some people say, oh, just, you know, Christianity is just a crutch. Well, I need a whole hospital <laughs> to take care of my situations. Amen. Every day, you got a new thing. Okay, how do we do this, Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm excited to give you the word today. I've been uh, looking at it and studying it for two weeks because Angie, Dr. Angie was here last week. But we're going to talk about, in February, uh, love. It's a Valentine's month, a love month. So we're going to talk about three aspects. First, the Father's love towards us. Then Jesus demonstrated the Father's love. And then the Holy Spirit teaches us how to love one another. How many of you know we need to have the Holy Spirit teach us how to love one another? I know all of you look holy out there, but there are times <laughs> when things happen and all of a sudden something comes out from beneath and you don't know how in the world, why did I say that, why did I do that, why am I thinking that? So anyway, we have to love one another, bear up under one another, but that's going to be later. But right now we're going to talk about how good the Father's love is towards us. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today. We rejoice in you, Lord. We rejoice that we have you as a good, good Father. And I ask you, Lord, to guide my mouth, my heart, my words, to speak your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're talking about the Father's love today. And the Bible says that God is love, right? But God is a lot of other things. He's merciful. He's kind. He's, uh, uh, he, he also judges, doesn't he not? Does, he corrects, but he does it all in love. Amen? Speak the truth in love, the Bible says. So when you approach somebody, you're supposed to come to them in love, not just like, you know what? I'm through with you. You know, you just, <laughs> I've had it up to here. I can't take you anymore. You need to get your life straight. Jesus didn't talk to people that way, and we're going to find that out as we go. So he, he, he judges, he corrects, he guides us in his love. It's the foundational characteristic of God. God is love. It's hard to describe it. When, but when you've sinned, when you've gone away from the Lord, and then you go back to him, he just surrounds you with his love. And you go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. When you've had a catastrophe in your life or you've had some troubles and you need to go to him, he seems like he really shows up strong, big and strong, and comforts us and strengthens us and says, I'm with you, my son. Be of good courage. 
It's the Father's love that only a father can give. Amen? Only the Father God. Because love originates from God. That's the only reason why we can love people is because we have his love on the inside of us. Can I get an amen? amen? So Jesus is trying to describe the love of God in Luke chapter 15. Do you want to see it? Praise the Lord. All right. We've got a tough crowd here today. All right. Maybe I just got to get you warmed up, all right? It's going to be good for you today. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's look at it. In Luke chapter 15, uh, it goes on, it, it goes this, uh, this way. Let's see, did I lose my uh, little beginning? Let me see. Okay, so Jesus is, is teaching. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Isn't that crazy? You think the Pharisees and the scribes would want to hear what he has to say, but it was the tax collectors. You know what a tax collector was? He was a Jewish person taking money from Jewish people to give to the Roman government, and they were despised. They were hated because not only did they take the money, they put a little extra and patted their pockets, and so they were, they were scoundrels. And sinners, well, they do everything that they do today, okay? They were just sinners. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so they were saying, this guy, this can't be of God. Because in the Old Testament, you were supposed to be separated and isolated from the unclean things and not to associate with them. So when you're eating with them, it's like you're approving of their lifestyle. Amen? So, so uh, he, they said, he can't be of God. So Jesus, he didn't go off on him and say, you know what, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, I've been with the Father. I know how the Father's love is, and we're supposed to reach out. That's why I'm here. I didn't come to judge, but I came to save those that were lost. I came to seek after those that are lost. Do you know we have to seek after those that are lost, and sometimes it's a tough journey to get through to them? They've got all these barriers and obstacles, and I don't know. I don't want to serve the Lord, and I don't want to be like you, Holy Roller, and all that stuff. <laughs> I just don't get it, Okay. And so you have to keep persisting, keep going after. And that's what Jesus did. He even got a guy that was in the tree. Zacchaeus said, Jesus, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I'm going to have dinner with you. Invite all your friends. Amen? So they couldn't understand the love of God reaching out to sinners. But, uh, but Jesus, he's so gentle. He didn't talk back to them. What did he do? He told them a story, a parable. You know what a parable is? It's an earthly story telling a heavenly principle. And he just says to them, uh, What man are you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? He keeps looking and searching until he finds it. That's what we have to do. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. He doesn't break the, their legs like some people say and put them on the shoulder so they can carry them around because they were disobedient. That would be silly, wouldn't it be? you got to carry this thing for two, two months until it heals. No, he rejoiced, oh, I found you. He's been waiting for him. He's been looking for him. And yay, he finally found him. Amen? Amen? And so what does he do? When he comes home, he calls his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for that which was lost I have found, my sheep that was lost. I say likewise to you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 90 just persons who need no repentance. So he didn't leave the 99 to get lost. The 99 were secure, but he went to go get the one that was lost. We're secure in here, right? 
But there's people out there that need to know the Lord. And God wants to use us to reach out to the sinners, the tax collectors, all, all them people that are, are negating God. You, you can't just, you know, ignore them. You have to still reach out. I mean, on my basketball team, there's guys that, man, they do not want to know the Lord. But that doesn't stop me. <laughs> I just keep continually talking to them because the Lord is the shepherd, right? And he, um, he wants those that are his. Now, I, I, I ran across a little video that I want to show to you, and it's from the BBC. And what happens, I'll set it up for you. There was a court case in England where a young shepherd boy said, some of my sheep have gone over to the neighbor's flock. And uh, so he was in court testifying, and the judge said, well, how do you know that that was your sheep? He said, I can, I can recognize them. I can tell my sheep. And the judge scratched his head and said, I don't know how that could happen. So they took an experiment, and I'm going to show it to you now. So what they did is they found this, this shepherd, had flock, had 500 sheep, and he, they took three sheep from uh, another flock six miles away. They marked them on their belly. They put them in, shuffled them all up, and they said, okay, let's see if you can find those stranger sheep that came into your flock. Do you think he can do it? Yes. How about on the first try? you think he can do it? Yes. Well, some of you have already seen the video, so you know. <laughs> but those that haven't, let's see what happens. Here we go. Well, Mr. Linthorpe, there are now three strangers introduced into your flock. Are you yeah. still confident that you can identify them? Oh, yes, I think so. All right, over to you. These are your three selections, are they? Yes, I hope so. All right, let's have a look. We've put a mark up. Can you lift her up? Right. There we are, right. Right. And by Jove, right again. <laughs> Wonderful. But how do you do it? Oh, well, what you asked me to do there, to be quite fair, it wasn't difficult at all. Um, you always look at your sheep when you're tending them, and that's what a shepherd does, to see if there's anything wrong amongst them. As soon as there's something strange, you spot it. It stands out a mile. And these three sheep stood out a mile to me amongst all this lot. But why? Different colour, different faces, uh, different horns? Yeah, slightly, I suppose. I didn't even... I, it was a job to, to tell you the details of it. I just know they're different sheep. They might be 
a little higher on the leg and they might have better faces, which I believe they did than mine. But I, I wasn't really looking for that. I just saw that the sheep, you asked me to look for strange sheep and that's what I found. It wasn't very difficult what you told me to do there, but uh, these sheep here, you see, we've got a pedigree flock which is recorded and uh, we, we know most of them. There's hardly a sheep here. If you didn't point it out to me, we couldn't tell you the year number of it, for instance. They haven't got names. No, we don't call them by names, but you call them by their year marks. Then all of your ewes have an individual um, identification number. Yes, they're all tattooed at birth within three days. Uh, there's an ordinary tattoo number, and later we might put a metal tag in them with the same number. Then that must have made it much easier for you to pick out the strangers. Oh, no. I, that, I didn't even look for anything like that. No, that's nothing to do with it at all. I, I, you'd have to catch every ewe to see its earmark anyhow. If I pick on one of the ewes, do you think you would give me the number at this distance? I think it's very likely. I, I, I won't promise I won't make a mistake, but I, I think I know most of them. Let's see if I have a girl. Your shepherd can help me catch her. What about that one, for instance? I think that's S-52, daughter of N-8. Yeah. Right? Her mother and her daughter are here somewhere. What's this one here? Can you see her? I can't see her very well. I can get her out in the open a bit. Oh, that's T-11. That's the sister of the one you caught just now, funnily enough. Is it? Yeah, T11 it is. Oh, I think that's 275. If it is 275, she's the mother of the... Yeah. yeah. It is. Oh, she's the mother of the carcass champion in 1958 at Smithfield Show. Oh. <coughs> well, there you are, dear. You're recognised. Yeah, is that amazing or what? Now, two things stand out to me. One, the shepherd knows his sheep. Do you think God, the good shepherd, knows us, what we're going through, what we're experiencing? He's got your number. <laughs> Let me see it on your ear. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so that, that gives me comfort to know that I can call out to him. You, you don't have to say, God, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you, do you know I'm down here? Do you know what I'm going through? He does, and he's here to help us. And the second thing that I think about is it touches my heart because I'm a shepherd, I'm an under-shepherd, and I care for you. I, I, I'm amongst you and, and deal with you, whatever you have to deal with, whether it be death or whether it be situations on your job, with your health, personal relations, I'm there, I'm in the middle. And, and I like to say, the shepherd should smell like the sheep, amen? amen? Shouldn't be just up here in the pulpit just preaching to everybody. You have to get down in there and do pastoral care and see how everybody's doing. Amen? And I can tell by your spirit how you're doing and what's happening in your life. And I'm there to help. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? <laughs> now, it's not too surprising. We talked to Ashley on Wednesday during prayer, and she says she raises 40 uh, my, uh, mutant ducks, right? Mutant or, you know, combined. They combine a duck with another breed. And she can tell out of 40 whose are hers and whose are not. So God in heaven, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the shepherd of the... We are his sheep. Amen? 
of his pasture, and we just know him, and that he knows us, and we hear his voice. And to me, that's great encouragement, is it not? Psalms 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Praise the Lord. So God is there with us. Now, then he tells, he tells that one story about a shepherd. And I'm sure that the tax collectors and the uh, sinners are saying, well, we're not shepherds. That's got nothing to do with us. He says, well, let me tell you another story. He tells them about a woman who has uh, 10 coins, and she loses one. So she only has nine. Well, you figure, well, that's not so bad. But actually, as you research it, it's kind of like a wedding band that they put around their head, like, like, you know, a hat. And if you got nine coins and you're missing one, that looks kind of funny, doesn't it? People come up to you and go, uh, that's a nice little headdress you have, but, you know, you're missing a coin. I know, I know, I'm missing a coin. <laughs> so the Bible says what she did is she... She put all her furniture aside. She lit a lamp, and that was costing in those days to light a lamp to look underneath all the furniture. She swept. She looked and looked and looked until she found it. And then the, Jesus said the same thing. All of heaven rejoices when one person gets saved. When you save somebody, when you go out and you reach them, though it may take a long time, all of heaven rejoices, and you can rejoice too. You can say, Lord, I'm doing your will. I'm doing what you've called me to do. Go out into all the world, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Leanne has saved almost all of her family. <laughs> the Lord did through you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and it's hard to be in her family and not get saved and get baptized. I tell you, you know what? She, she'll hound you. You know, it's a heavenly hound. And it's like, okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And so uh, we even went out last week and baptized them in Richard and Sally's uh, jacuzzi because they couldn't wait. Amen? They have to get saved, get baptized. Amen? So we rejoice. So here's a story I really want to tell you about. Okay, you ready? Uh, after he did the, the story about the shepherd... They couldn't really relate to that too much. And then a woman with the coins, you know, the wedding headdress, that's all good. But he wanted, they needed something that would reach home to them. So he said, he said, a certain man had two sons. They can relate to that, right? The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Would you have done that? I wouldn't have done that. What is the son saying? Dad, I wish you were dead, okay? <laughs> Let's just pretend like you're dead and I get all the inheritance. I would have said, no way, Jose. Now, interestingly enough, he only gets one-third because he was the younger. The older gets two-thirds. But he still wanted it, and, you know, that's a free will. The father could have said, son, I don't know if you should do that because, you know, you're going to spend it all hastily. But he did anyway. That's the father giving us his goodwill. So he went... In verse 13, it says, not many days after. I mean, he didn't wait very long, did he? And what he had to do is he had to sell all the, all the, the real estate and everything that he had quickly. Not many days after, he gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. Why did he go to a far country? He didn't want his father to know or hear about what he was doing. You ever do that? I did that when I was growing up. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. Whatever you say. And then when I went out of the house, bing, I just did whatever I wanted to do get into trouble. <laughs> what I didn't realize is my mom had friends that knew me, <laughs> and their mothers told on me before I even got back into the house. 
I said, Mom, how did you know? She says, I got a fence out there. I can climb up on it, and I can see whatever you do. I go, I don't think that's possible, but I don't know how you did it. And she told me later on how she did it. But uh, the father <laughs> lets him go. And what happens in verse 13 of 14? When he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he, he began to be in want. Now, he had two problems. One, he ran out of money. Now, you know when you run out of money, people don't really spend a lot of time with you. They want to associate with you. You can't buy drinks anymore. You know, like, get out of here, you know. And, and, and so that was his first problem. He didn't have any money. And there was a famine. There was no work. What is a guy to do? So he latched himself onto a farmer there. Uh, and he, he, he sent him in verse 15. He said, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now, that's another insult, right? Because you're not supposed to feed the pigs. You're a Jewish guy. You know, you know better than that. You're not supposed to be eating pork. But here he is feeding swine. And he's looking at the swine, and he said, you know what? <laughs> I'm so hungry. I would even eat what the pigs are eating. It didn't say he ate them. He said he wished he would even eat them. Now, I got to that point, true confession, at 30 years old. I spent all that I had. I didn't have anything. I was... I was, uh, I lost my job, I didn't lose, I quit my job to do a certain crazy thing, didn't have any money, didn't have a car, had nothing. And so, I was telling Leanne, I had a motorcycle bike in Joshua, and, and uh, so I was, I, could only, I was only going like five miles an hour in the parking lot. And I hit a chuck hole and I went flying over the top of the handlebars. And I went like, whoa, I don't think I want to drive this thing anymore. So I called my dad, who else do you call, right? Not your mom, call your dad. Dad, come, help me. He put the, thing, the bike in the, in the trunk, and he said, son, looks like you're having kind of a hard time. Why don't you come and stay with us for a while? <laughs> After all that I've tried to do all my life, get a good education, get a good job, buy a house, had all these things, now I had zero nothing. And I said to the Lord, Lord, if you can do anything with my life, you can have it right now. I don't have anything. I can't lose anything, right? So I went back there and started all over again. But what I learned was that wherever you are in life, if you lose it all, you can come right back and be at the same place if you just, you know, allow yourself, allow God to promote you. So that's what happened. So he arose and came to his father. Oh, let's see. Uh, in verse uh, 16, I gladly would have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, duh. <laughs> What am I doing? How many of you have some prodigal sons and daughters out there that you wonder, well, you need to come to your senses. You need to get right. You need to get your life straight. Come on now. Now, there's the down and out, and there's the up and out. Did you know that? Some people are so well off that they can't receive the Lord, but they need to come to their senses. There has to be something that, that touches them. So when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? He knew his dad was extravagant. He gave him, you know, more than enough. He said, my dad, my dad, he has compassion on me. I know if I go to him and I confess and repent of my sins, he'll take me in. Amen? That's our Father in heaven. When we, how many of you here have been prodigals? And you were going your own way. You don't have to raise your hand, but we all know that a major portion are. Amen. <laughs> Thank God we lived through it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But what do we do? We went to God and said, God, if you can make anything out of my life, I give it to you. Amen. I want you to, to receive me as a son again or a daughter again. 
Amen? And he does, and he doesn't put any restrictions on you. He welcomes you freely. Praise the Lord. And, and even if you've been a Christian, this is amazing, and you have sinned. I'm sure we all have sinned after we became a Christian. We didn't just all of a sudden be holier than thou. You feel bad because you've you know, hurt the Father because you've sinned. That doesn't separate you from the love of God. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. You can come back to him and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. You get restored. I'll show you how it works here. Let's see. <laughs> so he said he went and joined himself. And he, okay, 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I'm, I'm dying out here. The younger son remembered his father's love and said, my father is compassionate and generous. So I will rise, verse 18, and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Because in those days, if you did that, something crazy like that, you had to pay it back. Not only did you have to pay it back, you had to go into the town square because of the embarrassment that you brought to the family in town, and they would stone you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we don't live in those days. In fact, we used to threaten my son when he was being disobedient. Go, you know, son, in the Old Testament, if you, if you weren't obedient, they would take you out and stone you. Put the fear of God in him, amen? <laughs> my son always likes to do things right, but that, that scared him a little bit. So I said, anything short of us stoning you is going to be okay for disciplinary reasons, amen? <laughs> amen, praise the Lord. So... Then he, he, he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. couple of things here. The father was looking out for his son. He was waiting and watching and, and anticipating, oh, my son's going to be coming back. I, and then he saw him a great way off. And the Bible says he picked up his skirt and ran. And you don't do that as an elder. You, you, you don't share, you know, show your legs. You don't, and the Bible says it was like a sprint. Why was he sprinting? Because he was coming into the town. The farmland was behind him. He was coming into the town. He didn't want any of the townspeople to see the, his son the way, that, the way he was and that he wasn't uh, uh, received. So he ran out there to meet him. And then the Bible says he kissed him repeatedly on his head. Not just one kiss, just kissed him all over his head. Just so glad to see him. Amen? Amen. He rejoiced in him. Praise the Lord. I'm getting excited about that. <laughs> so six emotions that the father felt during all this. Are you ready for him? I think we have him up there. He had a wounded heart. It was hurt and embarrassment to see your son do the things that he's doing. I thought I taught him better than that. Why is he going out and doing these crazy things? What, what possessed him to do that? How could he do that? He, was, he wondered about him. What happened? Is he dead? Is he all right? Is he going to make it back? Don't, don't you wonder about that? We have a family member who's out on the street, and we can't get a hold of her. We don't know what to do. We, we just pray and pray and pray. It's been over two years. You wonder what's happening. He waited patiently for him. He didn't try to go find him. He didn't tell someone, go to that other country, see if you can find my son. He didn't call text or anything. He waited for him. That's the hardest thing, isn't it? Waiting patiently for them to come to their senses. And I know uh, sometimes you just have to let the Lord work on a person, let him come to the end of their rope. 
It's kind of like a cake. They've told me I've never baked a cake, but they said if you put it in the oven and you take it out too soon, it's going to fall. It's not going to, you know, be right. If you take, if you go get your son before the time, he won't be able to be completely repentive. You got to let him get to the end of his rope. So he waited patiently for him. He was watching for him. He was looking and saying, I think that's, hey, I think it's, I think I see him. That's his limp. I know, I know that limp anywhere. You know, I was going by Best Buy the other day, and I saw a guy that looked like a guy on our basketball team. And I couldn't get a, a glimpse of his face, but I saw him walking. And he was walking straight, and I go, that's not the guy, because the guy I know kind of has a limp like that. I go, so that's not him. But that was a little side note, okay. <laughs> he was watching for him, waiting for him to return. He ran to him. Then he was wanting him to return. You know, sometimes, you know, you somebody's doing the crazy things. I don't even care if he comes back, you know. He made his bed lying in it, you know. I mean, like, he doesn't even deserve to come. I'm disowning you. My mom, she disowned me a couple of times. And I looked at her and I said, you can't disown me. I, I was born from you. How can you disown me? That's an Italian thing, right, Piero? I don't know. You know. When they get so mad, they, I'm disowning you. You know, you can't disown me. He was wanting him to return, not wishing that he was dead. He had a hope that his son would come back. And then, what did he do? He welcomed him home. He had an unconditional love for him. Praise the Lord. So he said, and the son said to him in verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupted him and said, Nonsense. Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And the, bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. What's the significance of those three gifts? Let me tell you. The best, it wasn't just a robe, it was the best robe. That was his identity. He wanted to show everyone, I'm welcoming my son back. He is my son again. I'm giving him full, uh, uh, you know, entry into my family. He's received and accepted by me. He wanted everybody to see that. Put a ring on his hand, on his finger, it was an authoritative ring. He could do business. He could stamp, you know, documents. And now all of a sudden he's been restored. I would have said, you know, we're gonna, we have a little probationary period here because, I mean, you did just spend all of my wealth. Did you know that? You know? But he trusted in him. <laughs> we were talking about Nicky Cruz the other day. And Nicky Cruz, uh, he was witnessed to by David Wilkerson. He was a gang member. And so uh, David Wilkerson kept continuing to minister to Nikki Cruz, and Nikki didn't want to receive it at all. And so finally he did. Well, they were in an alley, just him and Nikki Cruz. And David Wilkerson looked at him, and he said, Nikki, I need to give you the Lord. He says, I'm not going to take the Lord, and if you come near me any closer, I'm going to cut you up into a thousand little pieces. What would you say? No, don't do that. Okay, all right. <laughs> He said, if you cut me up into a thousand little pieces, every piece is going to say, I love you, Nikki. He dropped his knife and he said, oh my gosh, I can't, I, okay, I'll accept the Lord. He accepted the Lord. He invited him to a, a convention, a meeting that they had that night, and they put Nikki in charge of counting the money. That's what I said. <laughs> so, so Nikki's counting the money. He goes, this guy's crazy. Why would he give me the charge of counting? He had other people there, but why would he give me the charge? He restored him completely, right? Put sand, and then it says, put sandals on his feet. What's that? His dignity. Servants were barefoot, but those in the family, those that were revered, had sandals on their feet. We're so fortunate, aren't we? Yeah. 
that we, we don't have to go barefoot. When I was a kid, I used to go barefoot all summer, all summer long, running around, going through woods and, and dirt and everything. I, we never thought anything of it. But anyway, put sandals on his feet, give him dignity. Now you say, that wouldn't happen in today's world, would it? Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> That's why Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. A real-life story was with Billy Graham. I don't know if you know the story, but he had a daughter named Ruth, uh, his third child, and she was married before, and her, his, her husband you know, got into different things, and so they divorced. And so she met somebody else on the rebound. They always call it the rebound, you know somebody that just pays attention. So she was so enamored by this guy, she called her mother and father and said, I'm going to get married. He, he said, you need to wait a little bit, just calm down, let us meet him, you know, take your time. And she said, no, Daddy, i got to do this. So she married him, and she said within 24 hours, she realized, I made the biggest mistake in my life. And so she was coming back home to talk to her dad because she had to move back home. And she was thinking to herself, my dad, I don't know, he's going to say, I told you so. Why didn't you listen to me? I'm a man of God. All these things she was swirling around in her head, and she was going up a windy road to get to her father's house. And she couldn't understand. She said this. She said, it's one thing to embarrass your father, but it's another thing to embarrass your father, who is Billy Graham. <laughs> so she's coming up the driveway, and here is her father with open arms and gave her a big hug and said, welcome home. And that was the biggest thing that touched her heart. And now she ministers to others that need to know about the love of God. So you can do that too with people. If people start to come to the Lord, you don't say, you know what? I've been preaching to you for so long. Why, why now finally do you finally accept the Lord? You know, why'd you put me through all that anguish <laughs> and that problem? But we're not that way because we're, we're, we're good people. Amen? Praise the Lord. And you heard this message so you know that that's what you're not supposed to do. So anyway... So everybody's happy in the story, all right? The father, the younger son, but there's one person that's not happy. Who is that? The older son in, in slide 25. Now, the older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing, he called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? What does all this mean? And he said to them, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. He wasn't rejoicing, the older son. Verse 28 says, but he was angry, not just upset. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, now this is amazing, the way he answers his dad. He goes, look, you don't, call your you don't say that to your father. Look, hey, man. I've, uh, these many years, I've been serving you, not God, serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours, this <laughs> crazy man who has devoured your li livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. My question is, how did he know that he was with the harlots? He never said that, did he? Maybe that's what he would have done, amen? You could tell he didn't have a relationship with his father, did he? Look, man, look, I've been, doing, I've been working here. I'm legalistic. I deserve to have something. And so the father said to him, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. 
It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost, but now is found. Amen? Amen. End of story. Is it the end of the story? It's just the beginning, but here's the question I have. So did the, younger, did the older brother go in? We don't know. How about us? Are we going to go in and rejoice with someone that, you know, I tell the story, we had this lady that was believing for her husband for many years. She put a chair, there's my son, my, my husband's going to sit in this chair someday. And she would witness him, you know, give her her best message and he just wouldn't pay attention. And so he went to the barber shop and he got his hair cut and he came back home. He said, I just got saved. And she got angry. She said, I've been preaching to you for all these years, and you go to the barber shop and get saved? Well, what's up with you? <laughs> but she finally calmed down. He came to church, and he was with her. But anyway, you have to be happy and rejoice with those that come. Praise the Lord. So that's the Father's love, and I, I was praying to the Lord, and he, I asked him, what do you want people to know? He said that I love them. I care for them. I watch over them. I, I look at their needs, and I know what they're facing, and I am here to help them. So let's just bow our heads and receive that love that comes from the Father. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you're a good, good Father, that no matter what we've gone through, no matter what we faced, no matter what our past was, that we have a future and a hope in you. So I thank you, Lord, for your precious Holy Spirit just to comfort us, guide us, direct us, give us hope in this present evil world. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit, to come, be with us, love us, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Ron, that's good. Hallelujah. 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 The blood of Jesus cleanses us. The blood of Jesus makes us part of the family. The blood of Jesus washes us white as snow. Thank you, Lord, that you came to save us. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to sing this song. It's probably not going to be perfect, but it, I think it's fitting. It's, we all know it. You can sing it along with me. The blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Ready? Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. He washes me white as snow. Isn't that true, though? Receive that refreshing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Oh, the blood of Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come to the Father. Amen. Come to him, the shepherd of the flock. We are his sheep. We are the people of his pasture. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. We're supposed to have the joy of the Lord all the days of our life. His presence comes and marks us and seals us with the Holy Spirit so that we may walk together with him in harmony and unity. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus, when he was with his disciples in the upper room, he came to them and said, I have earnestly desired to have this cup, drink this cup, and eat this bread with you, signifying the new covenant that's coming, that no longer are you apart and away from God, but now that's going to bring you closer to him, that you can come before him, come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. So, Father, we bless these elements, the bread symbolizing the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the cup symbolizing the blood of Jesus Christ. As these come, let's hold on to them and we'll receive them together in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, I want you to do this forever. And as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. So take a knee to the bread. Oh, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, drink of the cup, symbolizing the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to remember what I did for you. I gave you everything, my body, my blood, so that you could be one with the Father and you can be one with each other. Thank you, Lord. Amen.